Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. I am so excited. Do you Why? <laughs> because at this very moment, if you are listening to this podcast at this very moment, we are also recording our very first. Yes, okay, we've played around with it before, but this is legit. We have a legit video recording studio. We have Claire, the video ex- recording extraordinaire, editor, producer. We literally have a produce, pr- producer of this podcast. Claire is oh, our producer. Yes, a producer. Pro- oh, here we go. <laughs> Jeez Louise, the process. Not, anyway. a, not a producer. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. We're, we're, gonna, we're talking no about more that bro another talk. time. Um, so listen, it's really simple. When you're at work and bored and you want to surf on YouTube, go to DIYMoney.org, DIYMoney.org, and our YouTube channel will be right there. Right there. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Once we figure that part out. Yeah, we're going to get somebody to do that real quick. All right, let's get away from the bro talk. I'm super excited, though. We are on YouTube. Everybody welcome Claire. Claire! Excellent. All right, let's get down to uh, some housekeeping odds and ends. Haven't pushed the book in a while, but I got some really good reviews. Amazon uh, DIY Money, the book I think is less than five dollars right now. What? Yeah, five dollars. Prime sale. Or great what? stocking stuffer. Great stocking stuffer. Uh, you can give that to your kids, maybe your parents. Uh, Claire is giving me this to put up for the camera. There it is, right there. Uh, it's really easy read too. Look at that. Look how small that is. All right, uh, five less than five bucks, I think. Uh, it's not much. If it's if it's not much than six bucks, I don't know. But great stocking stuffer. You're doing great things on Insta DIY dot money. Yeah, the uh, the interview queue for uh, Friday Coffee Talk with DIY Money is filling up. Great. Uh, so we got a lot of good ones coming up now through the end of the year, and uh, just a lot of fun stuff going on. We're trying out reels on Instagram. I don't know what that is, but neither do I. But our social producer was like, "You got to start doing reels." We so. have a lot of producers. <laughs> We wow! Do. <laughs> All right, we have a we have an organization here. This is a lot of fun. All right, uh, let's let's get right to today's question because it's a doozy uh, from Rebecca, and she has a, a complex. Well, not so complex, but it can be complex, and we're gonna break that down for Rebecca. What do you got? DIY. Hey guys, this is Rebecca from New Jersey. And my question is, can you talk about the difference when you're investing in index funds between investing in an S&P 500 versus a total market fund? Thanks, guys. Oh, it was shorter than I thought. I thought the question was a little bit longer, but no. uh, Straight to the point. Straight to the point. And again, could be one of these that you just say, oh, well, here's the difference. Um, You know, the S&P 500 is this and the total market index is this and that's it. And But I think there's nuances that, that we can explain and help some folks out. So, Daniel, kick us off, would you? Right, absolutely. So I'll do the uh, former and just give you the simple answer. And I guess Quint will come in with the latter and give you all the details and what to think about and so forth. Uh, but the at its core, the basic difference is the S&P 500 is roughly about 500 plus stocks. Uh, that represent essentially the large companies by market cap, publicly traded companies by market cap in the United States. 
Uh, and so you're kind of getting 500 diversified companies, if you will, uh, that represent large companies. Now, the total stock market fund is kind of as the name implies, more representative of the total stock market in the United States. So when you invest in one of those funds, instead of getting about 506 stocks that you invest in, you're actually getting, uh, when I look at the Schwab total market, uh, total stock market fund, that one in particular, uh, just one that I watch because it's one that I own, is 3,100 stocks. Well, why the difference? In the total stock market fund, you're going to get more exposure to middle-sized and especially small companies throughout the United States. Now, both of these funds are organized uh, or allocated by market cap, which means that, for instance, the largest holdings are going to be effectively the same. So let's dial down. Apple in the total stock market fund is 6.04% as of recently. In the S&P 500 fund, it's 7.24%. What that really means, if you if you don't really care about the numbers, is that when Apple moves, it doesn't really matter if you own the S&P 500 fund or the total stock market fund. When Apple moves, that fund is going to move. So why would you own one over the other? Well, over the long haul, the total stock market fund is going to represent slightly better the total U.S. economy and all of those companies that are moving. The S&P 500 is going to represent what the large caps are doing. There will be some point in the future, potentially, where small caps just do exceptionally well, and maybe large caps don't do as well for a season. Maybe that's a month, a quarter, a year, etc. During that time period, the total stock market fund may slightly outperform the S&P 500 fund. Over the long haul, these two funds should move pretty closely together simply because the largest stocks will be in the S&P 500 fund, and those largest stocks will, by nature, also be the largest portion of the total stock market fund. So they will move all together pretty similarly over the very long haul. Well said. Well spoken, Danny. I want to take a step back uh, because a lot of people don't understand the definition of index, and that's becoming very popular. It It's becoming so popular that that and this is a good thing that a lot of people they're not even discussing mutual funds or investments uh, within the context of the other type of mutual fund, which would be a uh, managed mutual fund. So, an index is based on a group of stocks that only changes maybe once a year or really sporadically at most. So, the S and P five hundred has a a rigorous, detailed summary of who can be in the S&P 500 and who cannot. And so that immediately disqualifies a tremendous amount of investment opportunities. And what happens is a committee literally gets together and says, okay, we are going to drop these couple of stocks or these couple of companies because either they no longer meet the criteria or they're pr- coming pretty close to it, or they maybe have no longer met the criteria for a very long time. And we're going to add these other companies in. And again, it's based on a criteria that they set. And it more often than not has to do with size. In some instances, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, for example, has to do with profitability. But more often than not, it has to do with size, has to do with longevity, et cetera. And so 
an index is a systematic method by which people invest. Because it's so systematic and we're not paying an individual to make their opinionated investment decisions, it often, well, not often, always is much lower cost. Historically, when you factor in the lower cost and you factor in the way in which larger cap companies, again, based on market cap, have moved over the last several decades, most of the index funds have significantly outperformed the managed mutual funds. And that's why it's becoming the investment choice that is sort of the gold standard when you're looking at developing an investment strategy. The difference, again, in an index fund and a managed fund is that in a managed fund, you actually have a portfolio manager who has analysts who are making decisions on what to buy and what not to buy, sometimes based on a criteria, maybe market cap, but other times based on sectors, based on whatever they feel is important for them and their strategy. So that's the difference. I really want to make sure people understand that. Now, in the index world, there are a tremendous amount of indices, which is the plural for index. And indices that are out there are such things like the S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the NASDAQ 100, not to be confused with the NASDAQ, which is an entire market, but the NASDAQ 100 is the 100 largest companies on the NASDAQ. But nonetheless, there are other indices that people are not as familiar with. Things such as the Russell 1000, the Russell 2000. The 2000 is a small cap index. The 1000 is a large cap index. Then there's an even more obscure, by definition, index called the Wilshire 5000. No idea who Wilshire was or is. Uh, no idea why they created 5000. However, that is the index that is often used, most all of the time, to benchmark or used when you're discussing the total market index. So when you're actually looking at the Vanguard total market index, the Schwab total market index, etc., what you are owning, the actual index, is the Wilshire 5000. Now, you might be immediately thinking to yourself, wait a second, Daniel said the Schwab is 3,500 and the Wilshire sounds like 5,000. Well, here's the irony. It hasn't been 5,000 stocks in something like 20 or 30 years. It ebbs and flows based on size of companies and how many there are that are publicly traded. So at certain times, that number goes up and at other times, that number goes down. But again, what is added or subtracted is not based on someone's opinion, but rather based on this sort of formula that they have used. Now, in certain environments, such as the one where we are right now, because both the S&P 500 and the total market index are market cap weighted, Rebecca, which means stock price times shares outstanding equals market cap or the total publicly traded value of the company, they are going to move based on the size of companies that are in there and the weight that they have. In this environment, 
you are going to find very little difference in the long-term performance of the two. In fact, if you benchmark them together or looked at them together, you might go, why would I own the total market index? It's not. It's performing a little bit less than the S&P 500. Well, that's because it's a little bit more narrow, has the bigger cap-weighted stocks like an Apple that has about a percent more. Apple's done amazing, etc. But for diversification and long-term sort of allocation steps or, or, or methodology to expose yourself to different asset classes such as medium or small-size companies, I actually would favor the total market index, which is, again, the Wilshire 5000. In certain instances, why not own both? Again, you might think, well, that's overkill. Well, it kind of is, but it gives you the diversification, but it also gives you the ability to be a little bit more narrow in the S&P 500. I personally believe in 10 years, the gold standard will actually be the NASDAQ 100. A lot of people think that the NASDAQ 100 is only tech stocks. The actual definition of the NASDAQ 100 is the largest non-financial 100 stocks within the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ market center itself. So actually, there are some airlines in there. There's some other companies in there that not all are tech-related. Over the years, the NASDAQ 100 has done actually far better than the S&P 500 and the total market index. Nobody really refers to that as a benchmark, but I believe over the next 10 years, that will be sort of the gold standard benchmark. It's one of the investments I'm buying for my children inside their custodial accounts. A great question, Rebecca. Excellent answer, Daniel. Do you have anything else to add on I that? think we covered it. That was excellent. All right, Rebecca will get a $25 Amazon gift card. If you're new to the show, all she did was send us a... You're not new to the show. I'm not even going to tell you what to do. You know what to do. Send us a question. Uh, podcast at DIYmoney.org. And we just recorded this whole thing on YouTube. So when you're sitting at home and you're looking for something to watch and you're going through YouTube, forget those, uh, what do my kids watch? Dude Perfect or whatever. I mean, our audience probably not watching that. But probably check not. out DIYmoney.org and hit us up on YouTube. Like the channel, whatever. Hit that like button, comment below, whatever else you see on YouTube. All right, friends. <laughs> the secret to wealth is very simple. Live on less than you make, invest the rest, and do so for a very, very long time. Make it a great one. That was good. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.